It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Hey, Keith. Hey, happy Monday. Same to you. So earlier on the show today, we talked about last call in the north, Mm -hmm. the early alcohol sales cutoff in parts of northern British Columbia, notably in Prince George. I I spoke to the owner of the Black Clover Irish Pub in Prince George, which sounds like it's a great place. Mm -hmm. But he says he's taking like a 30% hit to his bottom line with liquor sales cut off at 10 o'clock. He's canceling all these bands he was Mm -hmm. flying in to entertain. It's a tough situation. Tough situation in a place that has low vaccination rates and yeah. high COVID-19 um, uh, case counts and hospitalizations. Uh, unfortunately, Prince George, the hospital up there has been overrun with COVID-19 patients, both in general population and on the acute care side, but also ICUs. 61 people have now been airlifted out of north, many of them to Victoria, uh, ICU patients, um, about 48 of those people are COVID-19 unvaccinated people. So it's pretty tough for hospitality industry in the north, but it reflects the pretty tough COVID-19 situation. Oh, of course, but he says his customers are all vaccinated, though, because he's checking for the vaccine card at the door. Yeah, right. but his staff doesn't have to be vaccinated, yeah. and that's where the virus... So the, the, the closures were based... talked at length to health officials last week. There are 1,200 contact tracers right now, and most of them, many of them are interviewing people in the north and Fraser Health. Where you got the virus? Where did you travel? And they determined in the north, many of them were in bars and in restaurants, uh, not so much restaurants, uh, bars and nightclubs. So that's what that health decision was based on, was uh, scientific evidence that the virus was spreading. Well, but, uh, you, but you've got Able BC, which is the group that represents bars and pubs in BC, basically saying there was there was no proof. I mean, I, I checked to Jeff Gleenard, talked to Jeff Gleenard well, on the show today, who's saying, he's not a scientist. Show, show me the evidence that the well, COVID's spreading in our, in our I'm, bars. I'm not, I'm not going to back bar owners over science. Um, they're closing the, these down for a reason. Yeah. Do you think they need help? Like you know, when well, you that's get a, guy, a legitimate question. Yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, and again, this government—the uh, days of balanced budgets are gone. Yeah. Uh, the ongoing need for financial assistance to sectors is continuous, and it's primarily, really, hospitality and tourism have been hit the hardest. I, I would argue than any other sector, and they've got a pretty good case to make. That if you're going to suddenly bring in rules that shuts down your business for a length of time, it infects you know thousands of employees. That government assistance should be there in the offing. You mentioned that the low vaccination rate in parts of the north are, are really what's driving some of these policies, and you were looking at some stats, particularly on young people. Vaccination rates among young, young yeah, people, it's very right? interesting, and, and it, get, it comes in like we're we're about to go into. We expect to be able to vaccinate five to eleven year olds. That's probably going to happen in November. Uh, the expectation is right around the world that that's going to be cleared for vaccination. But if you look at the vaccination rates for twelve to seventeen year olds who were added late in the game. And you look at it by health authority. In Vancouver Coastal, the first dose, second dose is about 90 plus percent first dose, 85 percent plus second dose, which is great. You look at the Northern Health, though, 60 plus percent first dose, 40 plus percent second dose. The vaccination rates for 12 to 17 year olds in the North is incredibly lower than Metro Vancouver. And to me, that tells me that the 5 to 11-year-olds are going to be way lower in the north than they are in Metro Vancouver. It's a different culture up there. They are not buying into the vaccination program uh, as as much as urban areas are. As a result, you're seeing surges of COVID-19 cases, ICUs and hospitalizations. So the bar owners up there 
have to look at their community of why they're facing these restrictions that are not being faced elsewhere. Okay, we continue to follow that one closely. When are we going to get vaccine approved for the youngest age cohort? Well, the expectation, again, um, as early as November, uh, October 26 is when the American Center for Disease Control has a panel of independent experts who are going to be meeting to determine where they're going. Pfizer's already conducted a clinical trial of about almost 3,000 5 to 11-year-olds. They've now recommended that the vaccine be available. So it now goes to the Center for Disease Control in the States. October 26, there's going to be a panel. Not sure the decision is going to be made that day, but it's going to be fairly close to that day. Then Health Canada will likely use that as a jumping-off point to determine whether or not uh, our 5 to 11-year-olds get vaccinated. And the expectation is that we likely will. New Angus Reid poll says majority of parents uh, do want to get their kids vaccinated, but it's not a huge majority. No, no, there's going to be, I, I would think there's going to be more hesitancy in the 5 to 11-year-old yeah. age court than there is in older people. Again, uh, there's a, it was a limited clinical trial with Pfizer, but as we go along, as we got what's called real-world data, so it's not a clinical trial. Remember, the original Pfizer uh, clinical trial for vaccines was about 35,000 people, I think. We're now up to billions of people have gotten yeah. Pfizer. So we have a pretty good database in which to draw info on. And that's going to happen with the 5 to 11-year-olds, but it's going to be a slow start. Okay, let's talk about Justin Trudeau's visit to the Kamloops uh, First Nation today. And this is after his his famous uh, vacay in Tofino on, on the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Let's go back to his uh, his apology here. Here is Trudeau apologizing for his Tofino vacation. Traveling on September 30th was a mistake, and I regret it. The first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation was a time for Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people alike to reflect and connect, think about the past, but also focus on the future. I want to thank uh, Chief Casimir of the Kamloops uh, for the conversation we had over the weekend in which I apologized for not being there uh, with her and her community uh, for this important day. And I committed to uh, going to visit the Tikamlups Teswekmuk uh, community uh, in the coming weeks. Okay, so he's visiting them today. Yeah, I still can't figure out why he traveled that day. It's just... Um uh, I think nobody would find out. Like, uh, this is a weird decision. Well, I don't know who's advising him or whether no one was advising him. It still staggers the imagination why he would go to Tofino on that day of all days and walk yeah. on the beach. You know, we had a stringer camera catch him, uh, 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 some footage of him on the beach. We got some heat from some liber liberal diehard supporters saying, oh, that's unfair to bother him or even uh, film him on the beach. But uh, no, it was this was a national story. And for him to do that, now he's he's belatedly acknowledging it was a huge story and he's apologized for it okay he's making a face-to-face -face apology there in kamloops mm -hmm. today okay let me ask you about the the passing of colin powell mm -hmm. uh the former u.s uh secretary of state major figure here in, in u.s in your u.s uh history first black army chief of staff first uh or chair of the chief of staff first black secretary of state um no matter what your politics are and certainly you know a lot of people thought of he might a lot of people thought he might have become the first black president yeah. not obama yeah no there was speculation uh back then that, that that's where he was destined for but he took himself out of that game it was it's unfortunate uh he passed away he was suffering from blood cancer he was 86 i believe he had covid too he had COVID. There are some people on Twitter, unfortunately, suggesting, ah, it shows the vaccines don't work because he was vaccinated. 
Vaccines are not 100%. If you've got underlying health conditions like blood cancer, which yeah. suppresses your immune system, you are vulnerable to COVID-19, whether you're vaccinated or not. Well, do you think that a guy of, of that stature passing away when he's double vaccinated uh, passes away? I mean, you know, people are saying those complications of COVID. But the guy was very sick to begin with. He was with. very sick to begin with. So the vaccination angle has nothing to do with this, as far as I'm concerned. He was he had blood cancer. His immune system was suppressed. He was 86 years old. You yeah. add that up, uh, your chances of uh, passing away are pretty high, whether you have COVID or not. Let me let's talk a little bit about his uh, his 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 historical presence in the uh, Iraq War, mm. and people will remember February 5th, 2003, and this was a defining moment in the George Bush administration decision to go to war against Saddam Hussein uh, in Iraq, and that's when Colin Powell uh, appeared in front of the UN Security Council and said that Hus Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. So here's what he had to say back there in 2003. Let's have a listen here. We have first-hand descriptions of biological weapons factories on wheels and on rails. The trucks and train cars are easily moved and are designed to evade detection by inspectors. In a matter of months, they can produce a quantity of biological poison equal to the entire amount that Iraq claimed to have produced in the years prior to the Gulf War. Does Colin Powell there testifying in front of the UN Security Council back in 2003 all turned out to be wrong? Turned out to be untrue. Yeah. Uh, quite a controversy back then. Um, now, they did take down Saddam Hussein, who was a despot dictator and such, but the weapons of mass destruction never did materialize. Yeah, and I, I, watched, a recent I watched an interview with him where he, he talked about this, and he said, well, you know, all the information was given to him by the CIA. And that he was hell. he was doing what the CIA the, the information he gave him not the first it was last, all it was all wrong not the first or last time the CIA misled the White House or the or the government if you go back to the Bay of Pigs in nineteen the 1960s with John F Kennedy all based on the CIA's recommendations and Kennedy famously said he wished he'd uh, this had leaked out to the New York Times beforehand because uh, maybe the in, the fiasco of that invasion may not have occurred just taking a look at the uh News release over the commercial break just came out from the Extinction Rebellion Group. This mm -hmm. is the group's anti-pipeline, their anti-oil and gas development uh, for on the climate change emergency. And what are they doing, like shutting down intersections so, in Vancouver? They're serving notice that they are going to shut down Georgia and Granville this afternoon around four thirty, five o'clock. They're going to gather <laughs> at Nelson Park and then march to the intersection. They call it. This is day three of its of their October Rebellion. Um, t and it's going to go last for at least two weeks of constant disruption. Uh, and they're trying to put the uh, climate change and ecological uh, emergency um, in the national, what they call the national media spotlight. So tying up downtown Vancouver on a daily basis. So far, nine people have been arrested. There'll be more arrests today. But um, it's uh, it's uh, if you're driving in downtown Vancouver, you don't want to be in downtown Vancouver this afternoon. And they've done this before. I mean, this is not the first time they've done these campaigns, and I think it changes absolutely nothing. In fact, it doesn't advance their cause at all. In fact, I think it sets it back, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. They've they've had uh, you know spontaneous uh, disruptions before. Now we've we're seeing sort of a planned two week schedule of disruptions in downtown Vancouver, tying up traffic. Uh, deliberately uh, causing arrest. I'm not sure. I agree with you. I'm not sure it really advances like the right debate. Right at rush that much. hour. Right at rush hour. But at least they're Little. serving notice that. Uh, so this is you know several hours notice to everyone out there. If you're planning to drive in downtown Vancouver today, don't because uh, Granville and Georgia 
going to be tied up. Uh, that's going to have a domino effect on all sorts of streets in downtown Vancouver. Yeah, I actually think it sets back their own cause and doesn't convince anyone. I guess anyone. a lot of people and angry. It does, and it ties up a ton of police resources, too, at a time when there's, you know, there, we got enough crime and mayhem on the streets and in they, some of these Vancouver neighborhoods. You got cops dealing with this nonsense. And when this happens regularly, as it is, it gets less media attention because it becomes more, you know, just... That's what happens. Another day. It's less, less of it's like a plane landing safely. You know, another yeah. tie up from ex- extinction rebellion. So I'm not sure it really advances their their aims here. Phone me on that. Tell me what you think about it. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is the number. Star ninety eight ninety eight on your cell. Let's go to your calls. Bill and Victoria. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Uh, two two quick things. One is we have a restaurant in Victoria, and we've been following the the proper protocol that they've requested from day one. We've turned away people, which just kills our and just breaks our heart. And uh, then we drive through another area of Victoria, and here's a restaurant, wide open, not asking, uh, no mass. So there's no continuity there. That's one. Two is I look after large condominium buildings, and the people with the families and the little kids that are sending their kids to school are horrified because the teachers... There's no mandate for the teachers to get vaccinated. So, you know what I think is there's no business people whatsoever on that council where Bonnie Henry is, and they seem to be absolutely brain dead on follow-up and doing it properly. Okay, well, thank you very much for the call. Well, enforcement's always been an issue. You know, yeah. there's been people criticizing there's not enough enforcement. If, if, if you expect people to, to uh, participate in this and buy into the rules, ensure everyone buys into the rules. And when you see rule breakers understandably gets uh, the, the people who are obeying the rules upset, particularly if they're paying a financial cost, as re- as uh, the hospitality sector and the tourism sector are. Yeah, I mean, there has been some restaurants that have quite openly defied yep. uh, the BC vaccine card. They've actually gone on Facebook and they, and they said, we're not going to ask you for your ID. We're not going to check your vaccine status. We're just not complying. <laughs> and then there are other places, it sounds like, that haven't made a big show about it they haven't put out a you know a statement saying they're not going to follow it they just simply don't do it well i'm not and sure how many of those like, are it sounds like there's some there again it varies from health authority to health authority in victoria i've gone into a number of restaurants and every time have been asked for uh, the vaccination card yeah but you start going north of hope i have a feeling that a lot of restaurants probably aren't checking yeah, and I, I wonder if when they bring in these these new circuit breaker prediction uh, restrictions in parts of northern british columbia what kind of enforcement will they have there? Yeah, they say there's going to be more enforcement, but again, I got an email uh, from a physiotherapist on uh, Friday from Fort St. John. She did a check around Fort St. John businesses and restaurants and said there's, there's minimal mask wearing, no one asking for vaccination uh, cards. So again, the Northern Health Authority is, Northern Health communities are in a different world than Metro Vancouver and the capital region when it comes to uh, public health.